As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Blood on the Tracks is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Brian Wilson was a musical genius and one of the greatest songwriters of all time. He caught melodies like they were waves. He bottled good vibrations like no one else. And he picked up bad vibrations too. He broke down. He tripped hard. He didn't just hear music. He heard voices. He tried to lose those voices by making a teenage symphony to God called Smile. But somewhere along the way, Brian Wilson lost his mind instead. This is his story. Hello, Rhonda Mawson here. I'm still cataloging all these Brian Wilson tapes. There's only a few left from the Smile Sessions. Most of them I've already marked and archived, but today I came across a box called Home Recordings, and... uh, Some of these are pretty dark, to be honest. Brian is at home in these. I'm assuming this is after the breakdown of the Smile Sessions. They're recorded on a dictaphone, and he seems to be suffering quite badly. This can be a hard listen, so fair warning. Um, Let me see. Uh, Here's the first one. 
I heard it today. I heard everything I wanted it to be. But I never made it. I never... I never made it. We never made it. So, what am I supposed to do now? I should have never tried. Have you ever failed? Failed at the thing you're best at? Where do you go from there? What are you left with? Empty dreams? Half-formed ideas? Broken promises? Unrealized potential? I understand now. All of that potential doesn't mean anything until it's realized. If it's not realized, then it's just nothing at all. It doesn't even exist, no matter how good you thought it was. This is it now. This is all I have. Nothing. No album. No purpose. Oh wait, there is one thing. There is all that blood on the tracks. Chapter 4 Brian Wilson is in the deep end. This is 105.4 B-R-I-A-N-F-M where we're all just floating away into nothingness. Have a good day, or not, it doesn't matter. All I really remember is standing by the stage and looking out at the audience. It put shivers into my bones just to think about it. We were in Hawaii to play a gig to make up for our no-show at the Monterey Pop Festival. We were also going to record uh, it for a live album. You see, we needed something to put out after the mess of Smile and the bigger mess of what happened after. Have you ever failed? But life has this way of, well, you can go from success to success to success, but then when failure hits, sometimes that's all you get. Where do you go from there? You just have to hope that you get out the other side and back into another run of success. But that doesn't always happen. I think I already told you that I don't like performing live. It scares me. But I agreed to do a few shows with the band. Playing the organ and singing, of course. It had been a while since I performed with the boys, and so to calm my nerves, I, I, uh, I got high. I was fine, but halfway through the set, I looked down at my hands, and they seemed so big. They were actually vibrating. I watched them as I played I Get Around. It was like they were moving all on their own. I never made it. And the song itself, what an awful performance. We never made it. Carl was flat, Mike was flat, I was all over the place. I heard the crowd cheer, but they were cheering out of politeness. I looked down at the set list. God, there it was again. What am I supposed to do now? 15 letters, two words, and a shit ton of history. In front of me, in cold black ink, were the words California Girls. I heard the notes in my head again. My mind raced to Pickwick Books in that day with Louis Epstein, that day of the melting books, how they looked waxy. 
how I couldn't breathe. I looked at the crowd and it all started again. Not books melting this time, but faces, all of them, blending into one another, all glossy and fluid. Half-formed ideas. Al yelled to ask if I was okay. I nodded and smiled. Just thinking of that word sets me off now. Even just smiling does it. I looked down at the keys. They were moving all around the organ. I was trying to catch them, like a game of whack-a-mole. My eyes dashed around the keys in front of me. The crowd got louder and louder. I thought I heard someone shout, you'll never hear surf music again. I spun around and scanned the faces. I heard it today. Did you hear that? I yelled to Carl. He looked confused. Before I knew it, Dennis was counting us in and California girls had started. We limped through it, and I mean limped. I managed to get it together, but what I was hearing wasn't the Beach Boys. It was something else, something much worse. Have you ever failed? I kept thinking about Jimi Hendrix at Monterey and what he said about surf music. I was getting angry, angry for having to play this show, angry for having to record this live album because my masterpiece had fallen apart. When we finished the show, I came off stage and marched up to Al straight away. You were flat, flat as a pancake, I yelled at him. I'm fucking high, and I could tell. Broken promises. Dennis laughed at me. You were too, I croaked. My voice was starting to go. Unrealized potential. Dennis stormed out past our manager, Nick Grillo, who had appeared in the doorway. I saw Nick and shouted, If that ever, ever makes it out into the public, I will never make surf music again. I should have never tried. The show was never released. I thought I was mad at the sound that day, but actually, I was mad at the state of things. All of that potential doesn't mean anything. It wasn't just on stage where things were going wrong. On the way home in the airport lounge, Dennis disappeared into the bathroom. I could tell he was up to something. I just didn't know what. A few minutes later, he returned with a water pistol. Hey, Mike, he shouted. Mike had been in a pretty foul mood since the show, and he barely looked up, let alone replied. You look a little hot, Mike. You want to cool down? Then Dennis shot Mike with a water pistol, right across his face. I rolled my eyes and sat down, but as I did, I saw Mike's face change from annoyance to outrage. Is this piss? He shouted as he wiped his face clean. Dennis just smirked. You fucking shot piss at me? Mike jumped up from his seat and crashed into Dennis, knocking him to the floor. I got up, but Al pushed me back down. Carl tried to play referee, but they were already into it, throwing punches. Mike sank his teeth into Dennis's wrist. It was a fucking joke! Dennis was howling as he rubbed the bite mark. Then he managed to get Mike into a headlock. But Mike's fists were free. He took one look at Dennis's groin and I could tell what was about to happen. Pretty soon they were both rolling around on the floor in agony, whimpering like babies. What a mess, I thought to myself. What a fucking mess.
careful out there. There are reports of surprise storms. Wind, rain, and thunder. When did I know Smile was over? There are a few different answers to that question. Lots of individual moments, but it's not Smile that I'm thinking about right now. It's something else. Someone else. There's this man. No, he was just a kid, really, a teenager, but a young teenager named Jonathan. Johnny to his friends and family. He sat in his bedroom scribbling on a piece of paper. There's pictures all around him of Orville and Wilbur Wright's 1903 flight. He thought that flight was the best 12 seconds in the history of the world. He was in awe of air travel, obsessed with it, driven by it. He drew plans and blueprints for his own plane, a steam-powered biplane with a spruce and canvas body. He knew we could get it into the air, given the right circumstances. As the weeks went on, the project grew. He worked and worked on his plane, going from a blueprint to a model, to the actual physical thing. He built a tent in the garden of his parents' house and began the construction. Neighbors came by and paid him a nickel to peek behind the curtain where Johnny would proudly show them his design. He loved the attention. Finally, after a few weeks, he set a test flight date. His brothers distributed handbills to promote the event. Excitement grew. Some called the kid a genius. A bright future beckoned. But, well, you know how life is. The morning of the test flight, Johnny stood in a large field opposite his house with an impressive crowd at his back. His aviator goggles strapped around his head. He stared proudly at his creation. In just a few moments, it would be in the air, and he would be there with it. Johnny would be famous all over town. But there was something distracting him. A sound. A dinging. We heard it today. He didn't know where it was coming from at first, but he eventually found it. One of the ropes he used to secure the plane to the ground was knocking against the wing. It was knocking because the wind was picking up. Johnny felt it now, the rush of air tossing his hair to the left side of his face. He looked up at the sky, and moving quickly from the east was a huge gray cloud. Then a single raindrop fell on his cheek. This is it now. He turned to address the assembled crowd. Not to worry, he began to say, but he was cut off by a sudden gust of wind. It pulled out one of the stakes that was holding a rope into the group. The rope whipped into the air and violently smacked against Johnny's plane. Have you ever failed? Another whoosh took hats off the heads of men standing in the audience. The crowd began to disperse. This wasn't meant to happen. Johnny had checked the weather reports time and time again. It's fine, he shouted over the increased winds, but the people were already moving. Failed at the thing you're best at. 20 minutes later, Johnny was inside his house staring out the window while God wreaked havoc on his creation. Where do you go from there? Tornado swirled into sight, picking up the plane, spun it around, and snapped it clean in two. Broken promises. Johnny cried out. He ran to the front door, but his three brothers stopped him. It took all of them to hold Johnny back. Johnny never built another plane. And it's just nothing at all. The next time he was in one was World War I. 
where the French trenches claimed his mine like the mines of so many others. How do I know Johnny's story? Because he was my, well, our great uncle. A great uncle to Dennis, Carl, and me. He's all I can think about as I drive down Hollywood Boulevard. It's 1967. I'm throwing pills down my throat. I pretend they're M&Ms. I even chuck one up in the air. It hits the roof of the car, and as it comes back down, I move my head to catch it in my mouth. I've forgotten about the steering wheel. The car throws itself violently to the right, but I grab it just in time and steer the thing straight. I watch a plane fly overhead. I shout, great job, Johnny, at it. I'm so high that the road is a blur on either side. My vision is one long fuzzy tunnel. I ignore it. I start thinking about the sessions from earlier in the day. Maybe smile will be okay after all, I tell myself. Of course I'm lying, but I shout the affirmation out loud to make it seem more real. Maybe it'll be okay. I think about the overdub session for heroes and villains that we have coming up. That's the session, I tell myself. That's the one. The one where we get this album back on track. I'm excited all of a sudden. I feel like a king. No, a god. I turn the radio on after chucking some more pills down my throat. I flick the dial and the static burns my ears as I go from station to station. Nothing, and I mean nothing, sounded as good as good vibrations. Nothing, Brian. Be My Baby is ten times that song. Really, Brian? Isn't that a bit big-headed? You want to lay off those pills, son. All of a sudden, I'm nervous. This bad feeling creeps in. I quickly turn the radio dial. I find K-Earth 101, the legendary LA station. I'm safe again. I turn it up as loud as possible. They're playing Aretha Franklin's Respect. I listen right up until it ends. And then... Then... Today. The next record comes on. Remember what I said about vibrations? How you know when something bad is going to happen? I know it then, right before I even hear it. At first I think it's aliens interrupting the broadcast. The sound is different, strange. It's, it's a Mellotron. I finally realize a Mellotron beamed in from space. Then I hear that voice, John Lennon's voice. No mistaking that, but the music around him, it, it's so clever, so advanced. Where do you go from there? The car starts to feel like a pressure cooker, like someone is sucking all the air out of it. I throw another pill into my mouth, but it sticks in my throat. The car swerves and I hit the curb. I slam on the brakes and moments later, I'm on the sidewalk. Where do you left it? The song ends and the DJ comes on. That was Strawberry Fields Forever from the Beatles. My heart jumps, I gasp for air, I look up and I see the sign above the storefront, Pickwick Books. The notes from California Girls are in my head again. But they all sound so simple, so rudimentary, so boring. Louis Epstein comes running out of his shop and asks if I'm okay. They did it already, I tell him. What I wanted to do is smile. They did it. It's too late. 
This is it now. Who did it, Brian? Lewis asks me. I don't have anything else to say, so I just laugh. I laugh and laugh. Lewis smiles and says that he's glad I'm okay. But I'm not laughing because I'm okay. I'm laughing because nothing matters anymore. And you know what? It is quite funny, really. We'll be right back after this word, word, word. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. 
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. That was when I started to spend more and more time in here, in my mind. You can get lost in a place like this. Lost. I can remember being in the water. I never wanted to leave it. Underwater. It felt like I was away from it all, but, you know, you always have to come up to the surface, sooner or later. We used to meet in the pool, in the pool at my house. We held all our band meetings there, in the deep end. Why? Because no one can bug you in the deep end. You're away from anyone who might want to hear your plans. People like Phil Spector or my dad. The day Smile ended was also the day something began. The rest of my life. To tell you the truth, I I was glad it was over. It was like putting together a jigsaw puzzle on a wall instead of a tabletop. The whole thing kept falling apart. With the sessions over, the pressure decreased, but I was left with the same old voices. My dad. What's the matter, buddy? No guts? Too scared to finish it? Can't do it, can you? I told you that so-called masterpiece of yours was going nowhere. And some new ones. I had to wrestle with them more and more. The day we were supposed to meet and plan what would become the follow-up to Pet Sounds, a record we were now calling Smiley Smile, was also the very day that I first listened to the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I had a copy sent over from the UK before it even came out in the States. I remember looking at the sleeve in my living room, taking it all in, while the memory of hearing Strawberry Fields Forever for the first time rang in my ears. Across from me, just out of sight, was a large box with printed album covers for Smile. There was no music inside them. Not even a record. Just the artwork of that shop front that Frank Holmes, a friend of Van Dyke's, did for us. Capitol Records printed a half a million of them. They sent a box over to my house to, I don't know, inspire me, maybe? That was weeks ago. Months, even. I can't remember. Time is pretty slow these days. I could feel those covers in the room as I stared hard at the Beatles' masterpiece. I felt the box growing bigger and bigger, an invisible siren occupying the space in my mind even though it was out of my eyeline. It was overwhelming. I heard everything I wanted it to be. I, I felt like I was about to pass out. And then someone shouted, Brian! It was Carl. He was in the pool. Brian, are you coming in? He asked. I walked past my grand piano, which was installed in a huge sandbox. Okay, people thought that was madness, a piano in a sandbox, but it was just creativity. Sand actually managed to get inside the piano at some point, and I just loved the sound it made. 
People also thought having band meetings in the deep end of my pool was madness, but like I said, I had my reasons. Even the guys in the band thought it was nuts. But I had proof, proof that we were being tracked, spied on, listened to. I jumped into the pool with the rest of the band. They all looked glum. As their heads all bobbed above the water, I apologized about the rough stretch. But we could get past it. We were the Beach Boys, after all, and we made great records. So let's make a record. We could even make it right there at my house. But I thought your home studio wasn't finished, Mike asked me. And then it came to me. We didn't need a studio. We just used the house. The idea was met with silence. Look, I said, this pool has a leak. We can drain it and use it as a reverb chamber. Dennis's eyes lit up. The bathroom, he shouted. Remember when we were playing in Japan and we recorded in the bathroom, man? The acoustics were perfect. We can do that here. Brian's got a bathroom the size of Malibu. Mike broke into a smile straight away. 30 minutes later, we were in my bathroom. Microphones everywhere. I heard it today. The floor was soaked from the pool water since none of us dried off properly. It felt like we were back on track, that the creativity that originally drove the smile sessions was back. But this time, the entire group was involved and the pressure was off. I heard everything I wanted it to be. We were having fun. I remember Mike laughing so much before a take. Then someone had the idea that it would sound better in the shower, so all five of us squeezed into my tiled shower and did another take. It turned out just great. All of that potential. We finished and I looked around at the boys' faces. They all looked happy, content even. It had been years since I'd seen them all like this. But later, after the boys left, I couldn't shake this feeling that lingered in my gut. Have you ever failed? I went back to the bathroom and stood there. For almost an hour, I stared at the tiles and the lights and the faucets. What are you left with? I thought about the Beatles in Abbey Road Studio and Phil Spector at Gold Star. And here I was, in my bathroom. No album, no purpose. I always hoped that Smile would rise from the ashes like a phoenix, rise up and knock Sgt. Peppers off the top, and we'd regain our crown that we'd worn during Good Vibrations. My housekeeper, Lucy, knocked on the door, interrupting my train of thought. She was carrying a large box of Smile album sleeves. I found these by the door, she said. Do you need them? Nah, I told her. They're just trash. Throw them out. March 2001. Elton John stands in the middle of the stage at Radio City Music Hall. His eyes are drawn to a ray of light that spills through a door at the top of the hall. Almost as quickly as it appears, it's gone. In its place, a large shadow moves slowly through the auditorium. 
The band behind him begins to play the song again, from the top, and Alton's attention turns to the task at hand. He has no piano to hide behind. He's just the singer, singing someone else's song. He pulls the microphone close. He croons into the mic, not like it's a rehearsal, which it is, but like it's the final show of his life. His eyes are closed. He thinks back to when he was a teenager, sitting on the floor of his bedroom in Middlesex, listening to these melodies. Then his mind flashes forward to the time he met one of his musical heroes in a huge purple house on Bellagio Road in Bel Air. There was cocaine on top of a piano. The conversation was awkward. When he opens his eyes again, Elton is back on the Radio City stage, and the song is over. I wrote that, you know, comes a voice from the side of the stage. Elton looks over to see Brian Wilson dressed in a sky-blue Ralph Lauren shirt. Still sounds great, Elton replies. He walks over to give Brian a hug, and as he does, he can sense that the man of the hour is a little unsure, possibly even frightened. You okay? Elton asked. Sure, sure, Brian says as he looks over a sheet of names due to perform that night. Billy Joel, Paul Simon, David Crosby, Vince Gill, all singing Brian's songs, an all-star tribute show. You know, George Martin is coming too, Elton says. Brian's mind begins to play Strawberry Fields Forever, as it always does when he hears that name mentioned. He thinks of the Sgt. Pepper's album in the Empty Smile album sleeves, of the shower vocal sessions at his house and how, when it was finally released, Smiley Smile peaked at a disastrous number 41 on the Billboard charts. Elton brings Brian back to reality quickly. Brian, are you sure you're okay? Brian looks up and mumbles. I'm just a bit nervous. Six hours later, Brian Wilson is looking into the same set of eyes, except this time, there's another 6,000 sets looking at them too. Brian sits at the side of the stage in the wings watching Elton John perform God Only Knows. Brian is in awe of Elton's talent, just as he has been in awe at all the other performers from that night. Elton finishes, takes a bow, exits the stage, and hugs Brian once again. You're still so tense, Elton shouts above the din of the crowd. No, just a little nervous, Brian says. The audience's applause seems like it'll never end. Brian watches as Sir George Martin walks onto the stage from the other side. He approaches the microphone, takes it from the stand, and paces back and forth as he waits for the audience to settle down. And when they finally do, he begins to speak in that chilly upper-class English accent. I know you've all come here tonight for one man, but I'm here to tell you. Brian's heart begins to race. He's getting a vibration. He knows something awful is about to happen, but he can't stop looking at it. I'm here to tell you that Brian Wilson is a fraud, George Martin shouts. His words echo throughout Radio City Music Hall. Brian waits for the booze. Surely the audience that had shown him so much love wasn't going to stand for this. He waits and waits. Here they come, he thinks. But no, it's something else he can hear. The audience is cheering. People are clapping. They begin to rise out of their seats. Someone shouts out that George Martin is a hero. Someone else yells, finally. And Brian turns to his right and Billy Joel is right there clapping and nodding his head wildly. Brian's head spins. The applause is thunderous. He feels like he's about to pass out. Brian, Brian, you're still so tense. And Brian looks to his right and Elton John is still standing there. And Brian apologizes. He must have drifted away for a moment. He's just so so nervous. He watches as Sir George Martin walks onto the stage from the other side. He's impeccably dressed. He is respectful in tone and confident in his delivery. Brian Wilson made pop music speak with a greater authority than any classical music from that period, Martin says. 
If Mozart was alive at that time, he would have done what Brian did. Brian's heart begins to beat faster. I fully believe, Martin continues, that without pet sounds, Sergeant Pepper's wouldn't have happened. Brian's breathing is heavy now. His heart rattles in his chest. It feels like it's going to burst with joy as George Martin says his next words. I have no doubt about that. His eyes are fixed on the legendary producer standing on stage, and the edges of his vision start to blur as his eyes fill with tears. Elton feels the man in his embrace lower his shoulders and tilt his head up, and for the first time that day, he is relaxed. Before they know it, they are both watching Good Vibrations performed by an all-star band as George Martin, having left the stage, appears to Brian's right to complete a legendary trio. Martin whispers into Brian's ear, You know these smile songs, they still sound great. It would be great to hear the whole thing live. Brian watches the crowd sing along to Good Vibrations' bombastic chorus. Now, now there was an idea. Suddenly, he feels ready to reconnect with his failed yet unforgotten masterpiece. Even if he knows it won't be easy. Even if he knows it will require a lot of blood on the tracks. Blood on the Tracks is produced by Double Elvis in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's hosted and executive produced by me, Jake Brennan. Also executive produced by Brady Sadler. Zeth Lundy is lead editor and producer. This episode was written by Ben Burrow. Mixing and sound design by Colin Fleming. Additional music and score elements by Ryan Spraker. This season features Chris Anzalone as the voice of Brian Wilson. Sources for this episode are available at DoubleElvis.com on the Blood on the Tracks series page. Follow Double Elvis on Instagram at DoubleElvis and on Twitch at Disgraceland Talks. And you can talk to me, per usual, on Instagram and Twitter at DisgracelandPod. Rock and roll. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough 
introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com.